Welcome to True Crime Tea Time. I'm your host, Randy Petey, and today we'll be spilling the tea with Jacqueline again. Here I am. <laughs> Finish up this case, right? I mean, I guess the 116 cases or whatever. <laughs> yes. I mean, I just feel like it's the marathon that everybody's running and nobody's winning. Never ending. Um, <laughs> well, in this episode, we will continue to discuss the Golden State Killer. Um, this time, we'll focus primarily on the original Night Stalker side of the case, which is when the East Area Rapist ends up um, committing crimes in Southern California. So... Another disclaimer, as the same as the last episode, so we'll be discussing details on rape, burglary, stalking. There will be more, like, violent murder crimes, I guess, in this episode. So <laughs> keep that in mind. Um, I also use the same website, The Cluster Files and TheGoldenStateKiller.com, for research on this. So, Jacqueline, are you ready to spill more true crime tea today? I am ready. I'm opening my drink. I don't know if you have one, but... I already opened it. Okay, well, for you. This is for you and your sound Thank effects. You. <laughs> Wonderful. And I have a backup drink because I know this shit is going to get intense this episode. It's so you'll ready. be hearing another crack later in this episode. Uh, it's needed. <laughs> so, I did to go back a little bit just to recap. Um, so, the East Area Rapist kind of morphed from the Visalia Ransacker. So the Visalia Ransacker focused mostly on burglaries, ransacking crimes, things like that. And then they started to escalate into him focusing on either a lone female or couples. And he would not only burglarize the home, but he would also rape them. Um, we talked about some in instances where like people confronted him and ended up getting murdered and things like that. So at this point, we haven't really seen much crimes from the East Area Rapist since July of 1979. So that was kind of his last crime. Later in 79 and in the upcoming years, we start to see crimes that are focused in the Southern California area. And what people believe is the original Night Stalker. And what I thought was strange is they really didn't put two and two together that these were related at first and actually for a long time because they're so far away from where the initial crimes were committed. Right. These are more like violent crimes and they're fewer than kind of the beginning of, you know, his crime spree. Yeah. And I think too that like we talked about last episode with DNA, it's the seventies. <clears throat> late 70s early 80s dna is hard to like figure out and i don't think that um sheriff's office or police stations or whatever they i don't think they were talking to each other regularly so how are how are they to know <laughs> yeah definitely and we'll talk about it a little bit later but even though they had like the ability to test dna for certain things they really didn't get into the DNA testing that, like, we know today. I mean, it's far more advanced still. Yes. But they really didn't get into that until, like, the mid-'80s. Right. So, like, yeah, they could test for blood type, but how far does that get you? Not that far. <laughs> not, not at all. Um, his MO is kind of the same. You know, he starts by prowling the area, spot, not spying, but peeking at people, 
And the first report of a crime is um, in September of 79. But that's, you know, more reports on prowling and things like that. So on October 1st, around 2 a.m., there's a couple in Goleta, California, and they're awoken by someone who is, like, it's not the same thing. Like, they don't hear tapping. They don't hear that. Like, basically, someone is telling them to wake up. They're shaking the bed. They're shining a flashlight at their face. And the person orders them to lay on their stomach and, like, whispers that they're going to kill them if they move or, you know, do anything. All I'm picturing is that phone call, I'm going to kill you, from last episode. I know. And just, could you imagine that in real life at the end of your bed? Well, we've all been, like, startled awake. You know how you feel when, like, oh, stuff wakes you absolutely. up? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, can't imagine that feeling plus the fact that somebody is threatening to kill you. <laughs> like, oh, my God. No, absolutely not. <laughs> so he tells them that he needs money. And he throws, like, some shoelaces on the bed. Shoelaces become kind of a common trend. Yes. Um, so he throws shoelaces on the bed and orders the woman to tie the man's hands together. So she does this, and he forces her to lay in her stomach as the suspect ties her wrists and then ends up retying the man's wrists. And he ties both of their ankles, though he ties the woman's ankles loosely. I'm pretty sure we can figure out why that was. Um, yeah. you know, he was planning for other things, but I don't think he got that far, so... So he kind of, he leaves them tied up and he rummages through other areas of the house. Um, the woman had like told him that her purse was in the kitchen and he goes to look, but he comes back angry because he can't find her purse. She tells him that the purse is on the kitchen sink. Um, but instead of going and looking again, he unties her ankles and forces her to go into the other room to kind of show her where it is. Um, but when they enter like the kitchen and then the living room area, he orders her to lay down on the floor and he ends up retying her ankles and turning her over. And she, I mean, they were sleeping in bed. So I guess she sleeps naked. So she was already naked. Um, you girl. So do I. <laughs> and sometimes I think about it. Like this is not the most, like if I need to get away from anything, <laughs> I'm going to be getting away, like, naked. Nobody See, wants to see it. Is, sometimes I have, but then I'm like, I should wear clothes because if there's a fire, I'm going to have to get out. <laughs> okay, sorry, side tangent. There was an actual threat of a fire one time at my place where we had to evacuate, and I had to get up and put all my clothes on. And then I had to decide what I was going to take out of my house in well, fire threat. For me, it's like I would have to put clothes on. I would have to find my cats who are probably hiding at this point. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, also side note, and I'm sorry, this because the people listening to this right now, they're like, what the fuck are wrong with these girls? We're trying to talk about the Golden State Killer. Anyway, um I, so like when companies here, I of course don't sleep naked just in case there's like something happening, you know? Um, but Dan does, no matter what, my partner, no matter what, naked all the time. And like <laughs> I'm like we have like there's people here like what if we have to like what is anyway sorry I mean I guess to be fair you guys have your own bathroom 
That's true. It's not like you have to like get out and leave to go to the bathroom. Yeah, I don't know. But like, what if I don't know? There's just so many scenarios in my brain that it's just <laughs> you can't even go out and get a glass of water from your kitchen when you're like drunk. You know, you know when you're like hammered and like it's and you wake up and like your throat is so dry and you just need water so bad. And just like I'm not gonna waltz out there with no clothes on if like my friend's sleeping on the couch. Like absolutely not. That's another tangent, but that that happened to me once. I was camp, and it was in November in Minnesota. Why? Why did I? Mean, I do that? That's a whole nother question that I'm not I even gonna ask. I was so thirsty, and my water bottle was next to me, and I went to take a drink, and it was frozen. And that's oh. when I figured out that I should never go camping. <laughs> oh my God. That's the worst. What do you even do at that point? Uh, discussion for another time. Right now. <laughs> You're talking about the Golden State Killer. I'm sorry for your fans that like the show, and I went on a tangent. I think they enjoy our tangents together. Okay, great. <laughs> so um, he ends up um, shining the flashlight on her body, and she can hear him like walk into the kitchen. I don't know why he shined the flashlight. He's weird. Um, yes, we know that about him. At the yeah. very least, he is fucking weird. So he walks into the kitchen down the hall. And as she's laying there, like, without a sound, he is all of a sudden standing over her again. And he's threatening to kill her, and he's pacing in, and he's, like, grumbling back and forth, like, I'll kill them, I'll kill them, I'll kill them. And he, like, keeps saying it over and over. It's like he's trying to convince himself. To me, I'm almost like, is he trying to make himself sound crazy? I don't know. Like, I mean, obviously he's crazy because he's killing people. But, like, is he trying to make himself sound like he's insane? Oh, I see. In case, in case he gets, like, picked up and he can do, like, the insanity thing? I don't know. I don't know. But, like, he, he was he was that. He said the same similar things on the phone. He did. But, like, he did back and forth and, like. Oh, true. Over. So she hears him go back down the hall again. And at this point, she, like, gets to her feet and, like, kind of hops towards the door because, obviously, she's still tied up. Um, once she reaches the door, knees on her ankles end up falling off because, remember, they were looser than oh, right. on her hands. And she opens the door and, like, runs screaming from the house. All of a sudden, he slams into her and slams her into the side of the house, covering her mouth and is, like, hissing, I told you to be quiet, you know, in that, in that creepy voice that he has. I know, but also, like, described as hissing, I told you to be quiet. That's, like, that's how I picture that, and that just sounds so disgusting and insane, and, like, I hate it. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) So he still has the knife on him, and he, like, presses it into her throat and brings her back inside. So the husband is still inside, you know, and he all he hears is her screaming. And so he thinks that the guy's killing her. And so he ends up, like, hopping to the sliding glass door in the bedroom and runs outside and, like, hides in the bushes. And so once the suspect comes back, he realizes the husband's gone. And so he goes outside and he's looking for him. And the man can see, like, his flashlight shining, looking for him. Shortly after that, a neighbor also hears, like, the commotion and turns their light on and the husband who is hiding begins to scream because obviously people notice now so he's like trying to draw attention 
and the woman ends up getting out again and she hears a car leaving. And so she tries to put a robe on because remember, she doesn't have any clothes on. Right, bless her. (laughs) She like tries to put a robe on and run outside to get help at some point. I think the robe falls off and, you know, it just is what it is at that point. I mean, I don't know if I would care anymore. Like, I mean, I, mean, we, I know we were making jokes a minute ago about, like, sleeping naked and ha, ha, ha. But if I need to get out, like, at this, like, honestly. Yeah, killing me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So, during the same time, there is an off-duty FBI agent who is in pursuit of a man who he saw earlier, like, darting down his driveway. And he describes the man as about 5'10", very typical wearing a dark ski mask, possibly having, like, a gun holster on. Um, And he saw the man hop onto a bike, and he chased this man down several blocks where he eventually loses him. So it's said to believe, like, this is the same person. Like, this is when he's, like, kind of trying to get away. And so the suspect eventually, like, dumps this bike that he was on, as well as a black-handled steak knife. And... Both of them are recovered as, like, evidence. And, like, (laughs) sorry, that all took place in Goleta, right? And the first case, or the first crime that's committed in Southern Right. And it's, like, just, all of it just kind of screams Southern California a little bit. Him on his bike. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know. All of it just feels like, like, why would you think that this is connected to up north? Because... We didn't hear a mention of him being on a bike earlier. Um, This is, I mean, obviously nothing like, nobody like died here, right? Not in this one, no. Right. So it's not as extreme as the ones earlier from up north. Yep. So why would anybody, but like listening to you talk about it, it's like, well, of course, the guy's even describing the same guy from up north. And so it's like being the outside, you're like, fuck, if they could have only seen, (laughs) you know. But then I guess, I mean... Who knows how much people in that live in like Southern California had actually heard about this yeah, because, sure. you know, they talk about how they, they had covered like their ransackings and all that, but how would that get to Southern California? Like, yeah, it could have been just was- a blip on the news yeah. really quickly. Yeah. Um, and then the other ones, like maybe just seemed like what off murders if you didn't know the background on it. So like, yeah. I totally get how maybe they wouldn't put two and two together. Yeah, that's true. So, at this point, even though, like, the M.O. fits the East Area Rapist, nobody in Southern California believes that the crimes are related mm-hmm. to the ones that are were in Northern California. Um, as, you know, they're so far away from previous crimes, the suspect hadn't struck since July, so it just didn't seem likely to them. So, as, like, we now know, the East Area Rapist left the Sacramento area and started committing these last crimes, And gets progressively more aggressive. So after this first failed attempt at burglary and what we suspect would have been rape, he is obviously angry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Also, can you like imagine being on his side for one second where he had so many successful crimes? In Northern (laughs) California. And this just went, this one went just fucking haywire. He's probably pissed. He had so many, um, People say he had a small penis, that at this point he was just like done. I'm done. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so um 
he starts to target like this specific com- condo complex um, instead of a single family home. And this is like the first and I think only incident of this. Um, and these condos are like a, kind of a strange complex. Like it's just two units that are side by side each other. So it almost is like a townhouse in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one next door is vacant. So nobody's there at the time. The original Night Stalker walks along. There's like a path that runs between these condos. And he enters the empty one that's next door through a window. He removes the screen. We know that's a common occurrence between Mm -hmm. all these different cases. Um, And he lurks here for a while, waiting for the couple that lives next door to fall asleep. creepy. He had already stalked this couple and, like, knew about them. So he knew that they were both doctors. Um, The woman practices psychology. And the man is an orthopedic surgeon. And once, like, the couple fell asleep, he ends up sneaking out and enters in through their patio sliding glass door. People don't have patio sliding glass doors. Yeah, you know what? I feel like it's very I, haven't ha- I haven't had a sliding glass door in a home in a long time, but um, <laughs> I just feel like they're just so easy to break into. Well, I think a lot of people don't secure them as well as they should. Yeah, that's true. But you got to put the like rod in the like yep. track. <laughs> <laughs> so once the couple falls asleep, he sneaks out. He enters the patio sliding glass door, much like the last case. Um, he brings twine with him this time to tie up the victims. And later it's discovered that he'd left some of the twine behind in the empty condo next door. And similar to last or similar to other instances, he the couple here is like tapping and they're awoke face-to-face with a very angry burglar. Oh. Um, but people don't believe that, like, he was very close to the bed because Deborah Manning, the woman, she ends up stuffing, like, her jewelry underneath the bed. Oh. So that's kind of the reason investigators think that, like, he wasn't standing, like, super close to them or anything like that. Yeah, because she had time to, like, do that while he was yeah. standing. Yeah. Okay. Which is funny. Like, I don't think I would... That's... that's Unless I have expensive jewelry, which I guess they're doctors, so maybe. maybe. That would not be my first thought, to be like, let me shove my jewelry under the bed. <laughs> yeah. Also, don't forget, though, different time. True. People probably had nice jewels and cash and shit in their yeah. house. Now I have costume jewelry from Claire's. That's Thanks. like, it doesn't need to be in the mattress. Like, we're fine. <laughs> so, she's ordered to tie up her boyfriend, and the suspect ties her up. Similar to the last crime, too. And um, also similar to that, one of the victims ends up escaping their ligatures again (laughs) and Mm -hmm. tries to, and it's um, the man, he actually tries to take down the suspect. Okay, clearly Golden State Killer is not a Boy Scout if he can't tie a knot. Well, wait, this gets interesting, though. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. So, um... He so Bob Offerman, who's the man, he um tries to lunge at the suspect, and the orig- original Night Stalker ends up shooting him in the chest. So he this time he's like, I'm not letting he's anyone not get away. playing games. Yep. Like, oh shit. So Bob spins around, and the suspect fires three more shots into his back and Oof. end up killing him. So neighbors hear these shots. Um, you know, they hear one, then they hear three more, 
And then they hear a long pause and they hear another one. But the neighbors don't end up calling the police because they think it's just like early New Year's Eve fireworks. Okay. To be fair, Dan and I think that all the time in our neighborhood. And we never know if it's fireworks or if it's gunshots, which sounds like I live in a shady neighborhood and I do a little bit, but like, it's hard to tell the difference. Well, so for me, yes, like the last probably four months, five months. Okay, I, wait. Like, yep. mm-hmm. I've been, is that a firework? Is that a gunshot? Usually if it's like boom, 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 it's fireworks. Usually if it's like one pause. Another later on. It's a little different. But you have a lot more experience in the past six months than I do with this. So But also for me, at least for me, yeah. nobody would be lighting off fireworks in December. Like because it's cold here. Okay, um, true. And you know what, to be fair, I live very close to Goleta. I don't know where this crime was, but um it's fourth of July only that you really hear fireworks. And then like the one off throughout the summer, just kids being kids, you know. So, eventually, the neighbors end up being concerned because they haven't heard from the couple in a few days. And so, they call the police. And the police arrive and find the man where he had fell, shot dead. And Deborah's found laying on the bed, face down. And she's shot execution style. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, footprints in the backyard end up matching the footprints found at the previous crime scene where the couple ended up getting away and again they still don't suspect the east area rapist and police believe that this is like a burglary gone wrong okay though (laughs) first of all excuse me second of all burglary gone wrong but somebody's in the house shot execution style no yeah. That's bad cops. Sorry. Well, but... just wait. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so the next crime is in Ventura. And much like the first two, they still don't link them to the East Area Rapist. Or um, they don't even link them to the original Night Stalker in Galetta. Okay. So on March 16th of 1980... The 14-year-old son of Lyman and Charlene Smith discovers his parents' bodies. So they're both, like, bludgeoned over the head. They're both bound with ligatures. However, this goes back to what you said about the ligatures, how he wasn't, like, tying them well. Right. Um, Only on Charlene and only on her wrists, she is tied with what detectives thought was, like, an elaborate knot. It's called a diamond knot. Okay. And I put a picture in so you can kind of see it. Yeah, I see it. Definitely, like, not a simple nod. No, it looks it looks like it looks like it could be like a fashionable friendship bracelet. Yeah, and it's the other like, thing, elaborate. Yeah. Sorry. And the other thing they had mentioned was like they were tied with kind of like curtain drawbacks, but okay. like the fancier of the two were on her wrists. Oh, interesting. So. Like, it was definitely a weird situation. That is so weird. (laughs) So, once investigators come, they believe that the couple was killed on March 13th, so three days prior, 
and their bodies remained there until the sun discovered their bodies. So I don't really know if the sun like lived with them. Like maybe it wasn't both of their son. Like maybe Charlene was a stepmom or something like that. Well, how weird though that this murder and the one just before this one, it was like days in between that they were found. Yeah. And so was he like picking people that like, I don't know, knew that their family didn't come by that often or whatever it is? Well, when we move on to the next one, that is pretty spot on. Like, it does seem yeah. like he's kind of trying to pick people who maybe won't, like, he won't get interrupted as much or something like that. Yeah. Ugh. That's creepy. And it's just so sad. I mean, you think of a 14-year-old finding their parent. Yeah. Like, yeah. Definitely. So months had passed before investigators like looked into or months had passed and the investigators were looking into people that were close to the family Mm -hmm. and turns out Charlene actually was cheating oh my god that's one way to derail an entire investigation Charlene god damn it okay note to self don't ever cheat on my boyfriend just in case I get murdered oh my god so it was suspected that um, she had actually been planning to leave Lyman and run away with him. So, you know, Ventura detectives, like, kind of look at that side of the situation, and they actually, like, refuse to accept that this case might be related to the case in Goleta. And you know what? I kind of get that because, like, this, this particular case out of all of them looks like the typical... Somebody was cheating. Somebody murdered the other person. You know what I mean? Like They thought they found their suspect. Yes. So that makes sense. And they probably didn't want to, like, give up on the person that they thought they had found. Because then they thought it might never be solved. Right. So definitely makes sense. So the next crime, and in this series of crimes, I believe there's only, like, seven that are committed. Um And they're pretty sparse. Like, they don't come one after another. So, the next crime is in Dana Point, and it's on August 21st of 1980. This specific house was in a gated community, and it had a night watchman, which a lot of people thought was strange, because, I mean, that's definitely, why would you attack a gated community and risk getting caught? Yeah, that's a lot. (laughs) So, the home was owned by Roger Harrington, However, his son and daughter-in-law lived in the home. The son, I believe, was in college. And so they were, like, living there until he got done with school. And then they were going to probably move. And Roger goes to the house to go, like, join them for dinner. I guess it had been planned they wouldn't have dinner. But when he arrives, the door to the house is unlocked, which he thought was kind of strange. So he goes into the home and says, like, hello, you know, like you normally would. Yeah. But is met with only silence. Like, nobody answers him back. He checks the garage and finds that both of the couple's cars were there. I was just about to ask that question. Like, yep. does it appear that somebody should be home and they're not? Yep. Ugh. And there were also groceries still on the counter. Like, Ugh. they haven't put away yet. And so he goes down the hall to the master bedroom. And the couple never slept in the master bedroom. Like, it wasn't really their house, so they slept in, like, a different room. I guess okay, it makes fine. sense. Um, 
So he sees that the door to the master bedroom is open, which again is kind of odd to him. So he opens the door and finds his son, Keith, who is purple and dead. (laughs) And (laughs) I'm only laughing because that was like out of nowhere. (laughs) Just. Yeah. This is what happened. (laughs) Right. I mean, like. (laughs) And both of the victims were found bludgeoned in the head, much like the previous case. Right. Uh, Nothing really became of their investigation. Only that it was, you know, another kind of random and senseless attack. But going back to when we were talking about, like, DNA evidence and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. they ended up tying DNA analysis to this case and the case from Ventura, but not until 1997. So that's when forensic files was popular. So DNA was popping. Looking it up to figure out, like, why did it take them so long? So around like 1985 is really when DNA evidence kind of they, like they started using it. I guess so. From 85 all the way through the 90s is when they really focused on building the DNA database that they have now. Right. That's and codex so or whatever. What is that called? The database. I th- I don't know if codex is the one that we have now or if that's the one that it was and then it changed. Okay. Um, but that's when they were really building it up. So it makes sense that like 97 would be when they'd finally figure out that these two were late. Yeah. And they were working on taking all of this past evidence that they had and actually processing it. So then they didn't figure out that those ones were linked to all of these other crimes until much later too. And like, like, what, 17 years later or whatever, like... Long gone. Like, your killer is long gone, bro. But, I mean, I can't imagine if we didn't have that, like, where we'd be now. (laughs) True. True, true, true. And then, you know, and then from there, even though they were processing all this DNA, I'm sure it evolved during the 90s. Like, it wasn't all the same. I'm sure. I wonder, I mean, we're not talking about it all here, but I just wonder what crime scenes can't be linked to him because he didn't like leave DNA evidence behind or something. Yeah. And like, we obviously have a growing number of how many, pe- how many, I was gonna say people he murdered, but I meant crimes he's committed um, from episode one to now and how many more there potentially could be that we just don't know about because. I know it's crazy. Yeah. And a lot of these cases, they link mostly by like motive. Like mm-hmm. they, they're similar in style, like so they think they're all connected. And I'm sure at this point he's confessed to some of them. Yeah. But who knows how many? Who knows if he even remembers how many? <laughs> oh. And he's like so fucking old now. I wonder it's a conversation for the next episode, but <sighs> I just wonder what we're ever gonna know. <laughs> who knows? It know. all will keep coming out, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so Sorry. The next crime isn't committed until, like, five months later. And that's on February 6th of 81. The victim is home alone, and she and the intruder just attacks her and stabs her in the neck with the screwdriver. Okay. They're not she's sure. Not would, playing games. I would go with either weapon because he's used screwdrivers and he's used knives, so yeah. who knows? But, yeah, he just, you know, comes on in and... Does away with it. <laughs> Violent as shit right away. Like, not, ugh, oh my God. that's so scary. But similar, Similarly to the other cases, 
there is no link between them, um, but there ends up being a link with that DNA evidence in mm-hmm. 1957. So, okay. they, like, in 97, they definitely start to realize that a lot of these cases are tied together. So, Which is fucked that it took that long. Sorry, go ahead. I know, right? And then they still don't have, like, any sort of closure. Like, they right. just don't linked, and that's it's, it for yeah. another 23 years. <laughs> 20, I guess it would be, like, 20 years, but... yeah. So, there's a few unusual clues with this specific one. Um, it seems like he tried to stage the scene as if it were a burglary. Like, he made a point to, like, he took the TV to the backyard and put it on the fence. He, like, took a few items that really weren't of value. And he ended up removing the ligatures from the woman's body. Oh, interesting. So, she had marks on her, but there were no ligatures. Yeah. And... It was obvious that she had been raped and it was, like, pretty aggressive. She had bruises all over her body. Like, he's definitely escalating again. Yeah. And the police weren't fooled. They knew that, like, this was not a burglary. The person was trying to make it look that way. And they actually suspected her husband. But, they like, they thought her husband hired someone to do this. Okay. Because he couldn't have done it because he was in the hospital. Oh. <laughs> Virus. Like. <laughs> Bad wife. He sh- she should have left her husband's side. Okay. And unfortunately but... for him, I mean, we know that it, we know people will figure it out eventually, but they didn't figure out until well into the 2000s who this person actually was. Right. And the husband um, died shortly after they discovered that the DNA between the cases were connected. Uh-huh. So this was like the late nineties that he died. So he never really figured oh, no out justice it. for the sick husband. It, so it wasn't until the nineties though, that they actually figured out that he wasn't tied to it. That's so sad. So kind of to wrap up this whole section of the original night stalker, there's two more crimes that are committed. Um, there's a rape and then there's another double murder. Or no, there's a rape and a double murder. So they both happen together. And then another rape. Um, the first one where there's the rape and the double murder is again in Goleta. And then there's another one in Irvine. And oh, that's like far apart, kind of. But... In a strange twist, we talked about this. Uh, those dishes on the person's back mm-hmm. <laughs> return. And he starts to do that again. So that right. like definitely ties the East Area Rapist and this person together. Because that happened with the East Area Rapist. Yeah, so did they, when the dishes were happening, is that when, like, law enforcement realized, like, it could be similar to there? Or we don't know? It did until that DNA. Oh. It's, it's so weird. That is, I mean, I mean, I, yeah. I have to remember, like, it's not like you could send a tweet or a text message to somebody saying, this seems similar. Yeah. Back then, things were just a lot slower. But damn, that's annoying. Well, and I suppose, like, they could have thought it was just somebody trying to mimic the other person. Yeah, like a copycat. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. There's a lot of people that live in California, though. So. <laughs> so many people. <laughs> um, so the victims in the very last crime, the one in Irvine where nobody died, um, described the suspect very similarly to other cases. Around 5'9", 5'10", 160 pounds. Dark ski mask, dark pants, you know, all of this, the same. Small penis. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they left that part out, but we know that. We know change. it's true. 
So for the original Night Stalker, that's about it. So it's like seven crimes that he committed over about, I think it's a year and a half to two year period. But it's like seven of the most aggressive crimes he's committed so far. I mean, like the girl that he stabbed in the neck with a screwdriver, that wasn't even, he didn't even say like, hey, what's up? It was just like, hey, you know, like just, Mm -hmm. it just zero to a hundred so quickly it feels like in these last seven murders. So... What are what are your thoughts now? We're gonna kind of wrap up this part of it, and I'm excited to talk about the next part. <laughs> yeah, the next part's gonna be so good. But um, no, my thoughts are just like it's just you're so frustrated because you. I mean, we're the outside. We know it's all connected. It's just like you just want to shake law enforcement into being like, "Hello, like, aren't you seeing? Like, weren't you watching the news? Like, this is like something that's happening, you know?" Yeah. And but things traveled so slow, so it's like there's nothing, there's nothing you can do. Yeah, without like concrete evidence, I mean, how are they going to know that they're connected? And they don't get that evidence until right. like years later. Yeah, <laughs> so, even more, like thirteen years later. Yeah. So, well, I mean, they're just in this point, they're just talking about how it's connected, but they don't know who. It's mm-hmm. not until what we're going to get into in the next episode that they've like, whoa, we have a ping. Finally. It's so like crazy. that whole part is just insane to me. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk about it. We'll save that until next time. So in the meantime, um, check out all the social media. So we're on Twitter and Instagram. And it's true crime tea time. So true crime and then the letter T and time. And like Jacqueline mentions, I'll post memes, I'll post some things about this case, whatever I can find. So join us next Tuesday when we talk about how the Golden State Killer finally got caught. Finally. (laughs) And I think I genuinely think it's going to be the best episode because I feel like everyone watching this already knows the story of the Golden State Killer. I thought we did a great job going through it all, but I don't know. When when he gets caught, it's like the most exciting part. It is. (laughs) All right. Well, join us next time. Thanks, Jacqueline. Thank you.